Welcome to Betting Down South. I am your host, SEC StatCat, joined by my co-host, Fitz, where we gamble and talk about SEC ball every week. Fitz, how are you doing today? Great, man. Doing great. A little bit of a struggle weekend from week two bets, but I'm excited to talk about week three bets. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely ready to move on. Uh, uh, I had a losing record. Um, not too pleased with that. Pretty mediocre. So after going 500 in week one, I go eight and 10 last week with only cool. one exacto. Oh. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Um, hey, I'm, I'm still have a winning record here. But guys, so we have a little bit new of a structure for the show and how we're going to be going with and moving forward. So what we're going to be doing is uh, we have a lot on the menu today. We're going to talk about recap of last week's games, how our bets did. Then we're going to do some segments. And in the middle, what you're actually really here to see is our picks for next week and how much money we're going to make off of them. So let's just jump right in there, StatCat, and talk about last week's games. The yep. first one I was played. We have Pitt versus Tennessee. I was 50-50 here. Good on the spread. Couldn't pick the over-under. I have my notes here. Um, I'm not betting the over-under anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, those Dooners, you never know which way they're going to go. That's my first um, bet on here. And then Milton sucks. So does Hooker. Not a good team. But I just Milton sucked, man. If he, could, if he, was, if he was literally like even 10% more accurate, Tennessee probably wins that game. If he can complete one goddamn deep ball, they're a completely different offense. That erases like three touchdowns immediately, just not being able to hit on any of those passes. Um, like you said, he still is uh, a quarterback that has potential and someone that you think has a higher upside than Hooker, just because Hooker, even though he came in like mop-up duty, like yeah. 40-something percent of his passes were targeting behind the line of scrimmage. Like, he is, he has no interest in pushing the ball. Well, no. He, he, at first, he threw the ball a couple times that were maybe 10 yards. So I was like, man, this guy should be, like, starting over Milton. Like, this guy's kind of good. He's got like, a lot of Tyrod first... Taylor vibes. A lot of Tyrod yeah. Taylor vibes. <laughs> That's a good comparison. And then he just – then he just sucked. Um, but I think we both went 50-50 on this one, didn't we? Yeah, we both had Pitt. We both had Pitt. We had that. And the under, and we lost that one. Mm-hmm. All right, next game. This was an exacta for me. I just couldn't. I don't know what it was about South Carolina last week. The first week, their new coach, I don't even know his name. Um, yeah, dude. Hey, Beamer, dad, you get this wrong yeah, every right. week. This but he had that video Beamer. of, like, hugging his kids and shit. I was like, there's no way this guy's going to fucking lose this game against East Carolina. And then I thought, under, no way he gets the over. South Carolina sucks. And it was a close game. And they won. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, it looked like ECU was going to be the 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 pick of the week. But, of course, they're going to be mentioned later uh, in a later segment. But, yeah, I really had high hopes just because I was not a believer in the South Carolina team. I think they showed who they are. I think they're going to be turnover prone this year unless things really change. Of course, a lot of their stuff is going to come from condensed formations. So that's where they're going to try and find alleys in the run game. But, I think the defense, we don't know exactly what it is, and they have a big test this week. But, yeah, ECU definitely let me down. But, yeah, the other game, uh, Florida and USF. So, um, boy, the Richardson kid. Like, he has to be the headline from that game. He's a big play. Let the AR shoot. Let the AR shoot, baby. Let the AR shoot. Hashtag let the AR shoot. I've been tweeting that all weekend. That guy is going to win the Heisman. Mark it down. At some point in his career, yeah. actually, 
when Mullins leaves Florida and goes to USC and Richardson <laughs> transfers, dude, it's getting some traction. It's getting some traction. Um, I mean, yeah, Florida, I had I missed both on this game. I had Florida covering. They fucked me. And uh, I had the under and the over hit. So it was pretty shocking. I don't think Florida is that good on offense. Um, well, the SP Plus really likes them. It's because they can run the ball very well. And, of course, Jones really does help. But at the same time, Richardson has uh, proven he's quite valuable himself carrying the rock. Uh, but the thing is, is night and day passing, of course. Richardson doesn't really have a high sample, so we can't necessarily say. say- Didn't he have, like, three passes for, like, 175 <laughs> yeah, yards? I mean, look. That- oh, God, man. Like, that is you can't get any better than that really by a production standpoint, but we just don't know if it's sustainable. I think it is. I mean, the kid looks like he's a real deal. Um, But the point was uh, Jones, he's only 10th in the sec in passing success rate. Remember there's only 14 teams. Um, And let's just say they haven't necessarily played the most formidable defensive uh, secondaries the first two weeks. So that is overly a concern. Um, Matt Nagy and Dan Mullins, the Chicago bears having Justin Fields on the bench and Florida having Richardson on the bench is the same thing. Um, but before we jump, I want to go back to two we missed just because there's no spread on this. I want to talk about one of them. The first one's to throw away. Auburn just, just mud-stomped Alabama State. Who cares? But Alabama versus Mercer was a kind of a, not a close game, but to Alabama standards, it was a close game. And Nick Saban was fucking pissed. After that game of how he bad they be. played. He should be. He should they played be. like shit. They only beat him. It was like 42 to 14 or something. I was shocked. Look, here's the thing. I mentioned in week one, maybe like the results didn't really, you know, affect the uh, Alabama's bottom line, but they suffered from a lot of havoc. Their rush yards before contact was not great. And you can say, yeah, it was Miami. They were playing an aggressive defense. Well, you know what? That basically carried over. And their rush yards before contact compared to the level of competition was not great. It was below average. And heading into this week, they're a bottom five team in rush yards before contact fits. So um, you, you got to think, if you're trying to get explosive plays, 10-plus yard runs or 20-plus yard passes and lean into uh, – let's just say tactics that help you win ball games and in this case cover um, that matters. So they're disappointing so far. So they got to get shit together. Todd Grantham's defense is definitely going to be on the aggressive side when the moment's right. So they got to be ready. Um, now another team that kind of certainly let me down was Texas A&M whole ball game change was hanging left with a uh, fractured ankle. And uh, yeah, that was a close one with Colorado. They had to eke it out 10 to seven. What do you think about that one? I'm two. For, I'm zero and two on betting Texas A&M. If I didn't have to bet on them, I wouldn't. I hate them. Fucking shove your class rings up your asses. Cover the fucking spread. When our bet, just let me win a fucking bet. But hey, their I'll defense is good. Expect. Their defense yeah. is fine. Their offense sucks. They're probably frauds for real. Uh, um, yeah, their offensive line has also struggled. Like again, four new guys up their front. Their quarterback sucks too. The literally. backup, yeah, the backup he sucks. I was tweeting the whole game. I was like, at what point do you just like well, switch them out? Like you're Texas A&M, you should have at least like two or three other quarterbacks and just pull the red shirts off of them. That guy sucks. Losing him that early in the ball game, you can tell Calzada was not expecting to be thrown in. Uh, obviously, he had a lot of attempts, contested tight window. He's attempts. out too for the year, right? Uh, uh, like a month or so, you know, fractured ankle. It takes don't time. Lose. That's, right, let's it really the lowers game. their ceiling. But, yeah, moving on to Georgia, a team whose ceiling, yeah, did not look so great after playing Clemson in week one. But, sure, all it takes is playing UAB to get the old confidence back. And with bombs from SB4, 
and uh, getting a, the vertical passing game back going. That is the scheme that I would hope to see from Todd Munkin moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, UGA mud stomped them. I, I thought this was going to happen. So did you. Um, I had the over, you had the under. I think the under was reasonable. You, I mean, I, Georgia impressed me with their offense last week. Um, but let's play, go. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they have two pretty good quarterbacks. Yeah, the quarterback who started last week should start. Um, all right, the next we'll game we have. We'll get into State <laughs> versus NC State. I had State covering here. You missed on both this game. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, I just didn't think State was going to lose to NC State. Like, I don't like State at all, but, like, you got to – I do like Mike Leach, and you, you can't really go against him too much with that shit. You love the coach. You hate the university. But it certainly helps the cover when you're, you know, a one-and-a-half or two-point dog – uh, returning the opening kickoff, and the air raid obviously plays a lot better when it has the lead as opposed from the uh, from behind. But um, I still need to see more explosiveness out of that offense. But for the second straight week, it looks like Will Rogers is going to be one of the most accurate passers in the SEC, and he's not necessarily throwing the ball in the harm's way as much as he did last year. So as long as they can maintain methodical drives, that's some that's a, definitely a team to keep in mind because they're 26th now in the SP Plus in defense. So they definitely can. Uh, hold their own on any given Saturday. So the other game, the 7:30 game, uh, the first SEC action of the week. I, this was my lone exacto hitting Kentucky and the over. They win a home tilt against Missouri. What did you think about that one, Fitz? Man, fucking Rodriguez made that game into a, a drama, and it should have been a nice, easy, just a family comedy. We won pretty easily, but. I thought Rodriguez fucking fumbled the ball twice on the goal line. I think, what's his name, Levis, the quarterback, looks like he's legit. I mean, we did, we, Kentucky, because I went there. Um, Kentucky did what they wanted to do in that game. They won at home. I think they look good. I think they might be getting a little overhyped with how people are talking about them. But everything's checking out. What do you think? Well, yeah, the SB Plus is still kind of trepidatious on their outlook. They're outside the top 50 in overall SP Plus score, so that's interesting, despite the media hype and the attention. Um, I think they are legit, of course. I would like to see a little bit more consistency in some spots, uh, particularly with uh, the pass blocking. They've given up too much sacks and their drive killers. Obviously, some deep pe- deep set play action you're going to uh, take your fair share of pressures with defense, defenses trying to get the quarterback off the spot and affect the deep ball. But, um, yeah, I really do love Chris Rodriguez. Of course, I've been one of his biggest fans, but even I can't back him with those fumbles. It but, was unreal. Um, but, look, his efficiency is still turning up. He's number one in total broken tackles, and he's still top ten in success rate, and he's number three in first down touchdown rate. So, no, boo-hoo for him. He's still um, TCOB. Uh, would, do you have any thoughts about Ole Miss in their, in their cupcake matchup? So this is one of my games that I actually bet on this game. They covered. I mean, yeah. they covered. That's what you – I mean, at the end of the day, those teams like that, like Auburn, whatever, they played They played nobody, but, like, you want them to cover. So they covered. Matt Corral had, like, five touchdowns. I think that's what I said he would do. Um, yeah, I mean, not really. Let's get into the next game, unless you have something about Ole Miss. I mean, um, uh, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed with the sloppiness. I thought the passing pre- precision could have been a little bit better. There was a fourth down sluggo that didn't work, I think, you know. Um, I think Matt Corral just saw one two, one or a handful too many uh, pressured snaps. He still was accurate on those snaps, but they just were not caught for whatever reason. Um, and I think that just you know needs to be shored up moving forward, especially with uh, SEC play right around the corner. So, yeah, the nightcap, 
<laughs> Vanderbilt going to Colorado State. No, we, we forgot Arkansas, Texas. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah, the game of the week, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. This probably you probably did this because you, you bet I wrong on this Texas. one. Yeah, I picked yeah, Texas. And you I'm picked like... the uh, under. Um, man, <laughs> Arkansas beat Texas, which we'll get into this later on. Let's talk about just strictly gameplay. We'll talk about that later. Sure. Um, I mean, now Arkansas beat Texas, and they kind of whooped their ass. Like Ran you know? all fucking Yeah, I mean like – the- Absolutely. Texas had no interest in trying to tackle their running backs. 26 broken tackles with a 51 broken tackle rate. Um, They averaged over five yards after contact. They just fucking destroyed them in the run game. Yeah, fucking Texas is really ready to join the SEC. Yeah. Uh, I mean, LSU, McNeese State, who cares? LSU won. I mean, online that they were struggling. I didn't watch this game, but everything I read about like LSU is like they didn't look good against mm-hmm. McNeese State. No, the, the the line remains to be an issue where they can't establish the run and they can't – look, if they're going to do the Joe Brady thing and only protect with five and six, that leaves your line basically exposed to blitzes. And if you don't have the most you know talented quarterback at evading pressure and driving the ball downfield with arm talent, well, that's a bad thing. So that makes you turn to the quick passing game. Sticks, slants, blah, 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 blah. And again, if you're only going to have to settle for three to seven-yard passes, um, you're going to have to string a lot of them together to get into scoring drives, and to do that without a mistake is really tough. So they have to find more explosive gains. Even though Max Johnson is accurate, he's just got to find more, let's just say, gumption to fucking drive the ball downfield and win outside the numbers because that's what made the 2019 version of LSU's offense work. Yeah, they would dink and dunk with slants and levels, but they would have Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall Jr. win on comebacks, fades, and back shoulders outside the numbers one-on-one. They have the receivers to do it, but they have to have the quarterback to deliver them the fucking ball and give them the opportunity. Jamar Chase was looking pretty good on Sunday, wasn't he? Yeah, he made that preseason performance look like it uh, it was nothing. (laughs) What about that? All right, let's get to the night game, yeah. The night cap. Vanderbilt traveling to Colorado State. Um, Colorado State was favored by a touchdown, and they were leading by two touchdowns almost until halftime. And Steve Adazio um, dropped the ball. Let's just say that. And Clark Lee gets his first victory. What do you think about the Commodores? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, they suck. It looks like Will Shepard's going to be their guy. Um, That is a complete surprise, a complete unknown um of course he had like what four career targets or something coming into the year and he owns the second or third highest target share now in the conference so Vanderbilt is definitely trying to get him the ball so Ken Seals we'll talk about him a little bit later but yeah big win for them and a big conference booster so just to, to recap last week's picks um I was 10 and 9 stat cat was 8 and 10 year to date I'm 17 and 14 and the stat cat is 17 and 19 with a losing record. All right. I think we've got some fun segments coming up. Stat cat, what do we got? All right. So this is the B block nonsense. So um, we're going to have three little mini segments, if you will. Uh, we'll start with this one. Who let you down the most in week two? Who just dropped the ball for you? I have two, but I'm going to leave one for you because I think you're going to pick this one. Okay. Florida. Florida looked bad. They didn't cover. And that's why I'm putting them on here as my letdown. Add them to cover. I thought this was a cupcake game for them to cover. 29 didn't even look that bad. 
The defense didn't look good, and I'm just sick of fucking Dan Mullins not playing his best goddamn players. He's like John Calipari out there, just playing players because he feels like he owes them something. Florida mm. let me down the biggest. Who you got? Um, I went back and forth on this one, but at the end of the day, I'm definitely going to say ECU. I mean, South Carolina tried to give the game away as much as they freaking could, and ECU just could not maintain – um, any offense, of course, one of their touchdowns came off a double pass. That's just, you know, you can ch- chalk that up to, to underdog flukiness. Yeah, it was really early in the game. Um, so they definitely let me down. But the thing is, moving forward, uh, Zeb Nolan, guess what, Fitz? 9.9 turnover-worthy play rate. One out of ten plays of his could result in a turnover. So that is not going to be a recipe for success. So that shit has to change quickly so um all right so they i would say ecu ecu definitely let me down so number two who's your mvt your most valuable team covering for you covering through or the most impressive team from week oh. two so i'm gonna give it to my lock of the week and go with kentucky they they covered minus five i had another team that was gonna pick but game time i just had to give it to the cats they did what they wanted to do there's other teams that could be up here as well like Georgia, South Carolina, Arkansas. But I got to give it to the Cats because it was my lock of the week. Um, all right. That's an interesting one. I'm going to go with uh, Georgia. Um, I had them covering at home. Of course, um, I really liked what I saw schematically out of them, just pushing they the ball back downfield. Yeah, so them getting back to doing things for sure um, got my attention. Now, obviously – Arkansas, I didn't go with them, so I can't say they were uh, necessarily my MVP in terms of betting. But in terms of, like, trajectory, yes. That is one of the most impressive uh, performances from Arkansas football in a half decade. Um, No matter what you think of Texas, um, that is absolutely a resounding win and a statement win. Um, All right, then we'll wrap it up here. What was your favorite overall moment? Well, I mean, I think you just took my favorite overall moment. I was about to tell you to shut up. But Arkansas beating Texas for a lot of reasons. Number one is they covered the spread, which is hilarious, right? Because Arkansas Mm -hmm. fans are insane. You have to love them. And if you don't, like, they're going to kill you. They're children of the corn. Like, they're people that, like, just love Arkansas Razorback football. I love them. Can't get enough of them on Twitter. But they covered, and then Texas, just it's just so perfect. You couldn't have drawn it up better. Texas is big dick swinging historical program, thinks their shit doesn't stink. You got to come in here and dominate the SEC, and you get fucking boat raced at Arkansas by Arkansas, and they storm the field on you. I mean, it's just amazing. That has to be my best moment. I'm going to say my favorite moment is the, I guess, apparent coming out party of AR-15. Every time this guy is on the field, he makes an amazing play. So despite his limited playing time fits, he's second in the SEC in deep passing yards. I believe he's uh, top six who have accumulated the most yards after contact. He's seventh in broken tackles. I mean, this kid is just, yeah, um, you can hate on Dan Mullen for not playing him more. And I think he absolutely should uh play more than 20 snaps against Alabama if you ask me assuming he's uh healthy but is he healthy What's the latest I think he's healthy the last I heard he's good to go but I'm telling you right now if mm. things kind of stay and how they are and let's say AR15 has Mullen next year and he actually does stay at Florida which he probably will 
I've never been more confident about a kid winning a Heisman Trophy. Dude, um, I mean, he me just instantly way. just pops. He instantly pops, and I, you know, I rarely jump on bandwagon, especially quarterbacks. I I saw a story this week where it's like he kind of had sloppy mechanics in high school, and he like he fixed it in two weeks because he's like, oh, I know I know what I'm doing you know wrong. You know how body rare that is. Part? You're gonna love huh? this. You know, you know who he reminds me of body type wise? Who? Steve McNair, but a no, lot he's faster. Than, he's way bigger than McNair. Really? Is he? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. He's definitely my favorite moment moving forward. And uh, how about we say we set up these week three picks? Let's do it. Let's get into it. Um, all right. So there is some games on here just before we get into it that are like, we're just not going to give you bets on them. We'll kind of like glaze over them. But it, yeah, they're all nooners. Three. They're all against FCF teams, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, super easy. Um, and they're kind of crazy odds. All right. Let's go through these real quick because there's really no bets on. Chattanooga at Kentucky. Kentucky's going to beat them. SEMO, Southeast Missouri. Fighting Rush Limbaugh's. I think Missouri's going to beat them. There are spreads out there that I've found, but they're like 30-plus crazy spreads. If you really want to know, DM us, send us a message. We'll tell you what we think. And then we got Tennessee Tech at Tennessee. I think this spread I saw was like 42-and-a-half. But, I mean, they all should beat – these are cupcake games. Easy wins for these teams. They all should win. Yeah, um, yeah. The, these lines are not listed on Bavada, so um, there, you, there you have it. So Kentucky, they lead the SEC in explosive pass rate, um, one of the more play-action-prone offenses at 12 personnel. Rondell Robinson, of course, one of the leaders in total offense in the SEC. That should be a route for that offense. Defense just got, has got to get a little bit more consistent, especially in the run game. Missouri... They have to figure out their deep passing ability and consistency. They are just an average ball team at this point in time. We um, now they can run the game, run the ball very, very well in standard time. They're just under a seventy percent success rate. Um, fantastic. They're one of the top in rush yards before contact. That's fantastic. But um, the pass game has to come along a little bit more, and this is an excellent opportunity to see some razzle dazzle and see a whole lot of points being scored. Um, in Columbia, and then Tennessee, we don't know exactly what's going to go on with the quarterback position. It shouldn't matter. We already mi- we already mentioned Joe Milton. It seems Fucking like you know, sucked. dead last in the SEC in depth adjusted accuracy. Not great. Again, that's just leaving points on the field. But at the same time, when you go to Hendon Hooker, he's a quarterback that won't necessarily drive the ball downfield and just be a, a game manager quarterback. Um, so two extremes. Harrison Bailey is going to get a. a a chance soon. You would have to think that he may get some playing time, but because uh, of the, the lackluster opponent. But yeah, this is a opportunity for Tennessee to figure some stuff out and find some chemistry. New Mexico at A and M minus twenty nine and a half over under. I mean, these are mine, so let me go over yours. So Mexico minus thirty on your spread. Over under is fifty. So these are the latest ones. So the spread's been moving around on this game a lot. A half point or so. I thought it was at 24 and a half this week, and it jumped up to 30. Mm, really? That's it. That's, yeah, that's I think I saw that. I might have been high, but that's <laughs> But <laughs> we won't rule that out. Um, but, you know, yeah, this should be an ass kicking. But the thing is, I do not have any bit of faith in Zach Calzada. He's one of these guys who has uh, a high drop rate, a high contested target rate, a high. Um, Rate of passes that are toss-up worthy in nature. So that's a lot of um, concerns, a lot of variables. 
Um, he doesn't look to be as inclined throwing the deep ball. And it doesn't look like Jimbo Fisher had a game plan in mind to get him on the move with play-action boots or use screens or RPOs to facilitate his workload. He, yeah. he, he does not look like he's cut out to operate more from the pocket. But that defense is so dominant, it might not matter. I just have no faith in them covering a 30-point spread because I don't think, even in week one when they played Kent State, a similar opponent to yeah, true. Mexico, um, they, they didn't necessarily were firing on all cylinders, and now they have a worse quarterback back there. And the run game can't get going because the, the offensive line is not what it was last year, just point blank. Yeah. No, I mean, they look bad. I, I think this kid is limited. Their backup's limited. I don't think he was ready at all. Uh, it's kind of like you said earlier where they thought King was never going to get hurt because he's a sophomore. But, I mean, I'm agreeing with you here. I have New Mexico State plus 30 on this one. I think that's pretty easy money right there. I mean, and the thing was, it wasn't like Colorado's – that defense came into the week rated 61st in the SP+. And you know what? Eight – of Texas A&M's 12 drives were three and outs. Yuck. Yuck. Boring-ass game to watch. And then what do you got as over-under on this one? You know, I've been going back and forth on this, Fitz. Um, it's a tough one. Texas one, A&M's hard to fucking one, bet on. For in terms of under-overs, because I mean, I think New Mexico is going to cover, but Terry Wilson's the quarterback, and oh, you know man. how I feel about him. Um, New Mexico being in mountain time, playing basically at 10 o'clock their time, in 11 o'clock central in, in college station. So I think they're going to be asleep. So I would like to think it's going to be the under, but something tells me it's going to be the over. I'm probably going to like regret it, but I'm going to take the over 50 here in New Mexico. Okay. Wow. Well, all right. I am taking the under. So then I'm actually going to bet. I'm not going to bet on every over under like I did last week because Frankly, I fucking hate betting on the overs unders, and I'm gonna try to You're give you chicken. guys winners. You're yelling. You're yelling about winners. I want you all to have winners. Um, nothing else, because that's what we care about. All right, game of the week next week. It was a question mark. I think probably um, Alabama at Florida. Alabama minus 14 and a half. Over under is 60. What do you got, Stan? Well, this is gonna be an interesting game. Um, Alabama. Yeah, they have not played necessarily. Lights out on offense now outside of scoring. Like the process metrics are not great, but of course it takes some time for a new unit to gel. So Alabama, um, the last few years they've kind of been a middling start in some metrics, and they've really shake you know straightened out as the season progressed. But in terms of rush yards before contact, they're bottom. Um, in terms of allowing havoc, they're not they're near the bottom. In terms of pressure rate, it's highest. So these are things that are concerning when you're playing. Well, a what's Grantham. pressure rate? Pressure so that, as in, like, they're getting it, the, the quarterback has pressure on him? That's exactly right. I could see that. Yeah. But I like, feel like he, he has to, Bryce Young has to, like, he's so mobile that that mm-hmm. probably Mac, like, makes up for that pressure rate. You no, know he's I mean? been very good at, you know, negating that stuff. Again, like, they score points and stuff, but will that pressure rate and that havoc rate sustain itself? And if that's going to be the case all year, you it's going to take a hell of a lot of talent to – override that level of adversity. I mean, look, his pressure rate right now is like 30%. That's really high. Um, So that has to get a little bit under control. Yeah. So I'm on this game. I'm taking Alabama uh, minus 14 and a half. I might actually buy the point on this one to get it to, nah, I'm just going to do it at 14 and a half. Um, 
I think Alabama beats them by 40 and a half. And the reason why is I think the defense for Alabama is better than Florida's defense and Alabama's offense is better than Florida's offense. I think what will end up happening is Richardson will probably get in the second quarter and hopefully he makes it a game. This could be an awesome moment for him, but I really think that's probably not going to happen. And I think Alabama covers the spread pretty easily. I'm not sure about the over-under, so I'm not going to lay a bet on it, but I'm probably taking, I'm definitely taking Alabama in 14 and a half. I'm going to agree with you on Alabama just because of concerns with the quarterback position. I mean, again, that's why I took UCF last week, and it turned out to basically be the difference. I mean, basically, Emory Jones just had too many empty drives, and AR-15, basically, every time he was on the field, they scored. And, I mean, look, again, it doesn't take like someone like me digging through the stats to um, highlight the difference-making qualities that he has, just point blank. Um, now, I think Alabama is going to be able to find more consistency on the ground. And so far, you know, uh, Brian Robinson has the number one broken tackle rate in the entire freaking conference by a healthy margin. Uh, 72.7 broken tackle rate uh, among guys with at least 18 attempts. So um, even though the run cushion could be better, he's absolutely running hard and maintaining down-to-town success. You know, Alabama, you just think like you could really go with them just because um, you think that offense is more trustworthy because you think they have more continuity despite the havoc and all that type of stuff. You know, Jacob Copeland on Florida's end, um, he definitely is one of the more incendiary pass catchers in the SEC himself. But, yeah, it's just the it's the uncertainty around what exactly Mullen wants to do with that um, offense of his. Do, do you want to settle for seven yard passes and five yard runs all game or do you want to open it up and be a little bit more creative um if he's going to be more conservative and play emory jones more than he should alabama should absolutely cover and i know you're not going to touch the under and over but i'm going to take the over 60 rare over for me for the game of the week you know i usually like to go under for sec games it's just a habit but i'm going to take the over 60 in this case you know what? I'm so over here high thinking about this. I'm gonna take the over two. I'm okay. gonna take. I'm gonna fade you. I'm gonna go with you on this. I'm gonna ride with you. I'm gonna throw a scenario, and this is just a high thought. What if he's just been holding Richardson back for this moment against Alabama, and then just unleashes him? And it, like we just saw a little like glimpses of how good this kid actually is, and he just completely changes up his game plan, and then Florida like just like he comes in. This he literally comes. Like in he the is the starting quarterback. Play. No, I would say like the second play. Like so, like well, you get one like, play with Jones, and all of a sudden all, all breaks loose. Um, no, like to do this Same. at home, to do this at home, it's an absolutely prime opportunity to have some special packages with him prepared and again. Um, he's the type of quarterback, the type of build, even Jones is as well, but um, the type of quarterback that can, uh, let's say, pester Nick Saban-style defenses. Sure, that'd be crazy to happen. All right, next game, we have Georgia Southern, line of plus 24 at Arkansas, over under 52 and a half. Arkansas is on that Texas high. We just spanked those horns, horns down. Uh, this could be a trap game for them. They could just think their shit doesn't stink and come out here and, and win and not cover. I'm not doing that, though. I'm taking Arkansas um, minus 24. Um, I've gone back and forth on this one as well. It's just because Arkansas is a very one-dimensional team right now. Dead last in the SEC in passing success rate. Um, so in standard time. So that is not necessarily great, to say the least. Um, 
as much as they can run the ball very well, as we saw last week against Texas, they were highly motivated. Um, KJ Jefferson, he's let me down. I thought he was going to take a step, draw back passing, but um, yeah, he's a whole lot of dinks and dunks. Um, basically, last game against Texas, listen, this one fits. 52% of his pass attempts were off RPOs. Talk about like spoon feeding him completions. Like, and it's because he's just not good in the drop back game. So he's really disappointing me. Uh, I'm going to take <clears throat> Georgia Southern ironically here. I just think it's going to be kind of a sleepwalking atmosphere maybe for a four o'clock kickoff, even though Arkansas looks and is capable of absolutely winning by like 35 or even more. I just think Georgia Southern sneaks up on them and I'm going to take the under 52. All right, so the next game is Mississippi State minus three and a half at Memphis. Over under is 64. What do you got there? So, yeah, uh, the air raid, um, they need to get better at manufacturing explosive plays. It seems like their only avenue to manufacture explosive plays these days is with a yak opportunity or to get somebody deep with a deep double move. Back-to-back weeks, they've hit 30-plus um, yard completions on a fake screenplay. Concept is called Fox and Stat Cat Lingo. Basically, um, their two inside receivers act like they're going to block before jetting upfield the seam. Usually, you know, you can catch the defense yep. with your pants down, especially when you set up the screen as much as Mississippi State does. So RPOs, they're still a team. That doesn't necessarily lean on them too much, but um, it's hovering around 10%, so one out of 10 plays, just something to keep people honest. And again, when you're not necessarily um, looking to run the ball or establish the run and you're really looking to pass, the screen game and this type of stuff is basically um, the thing that gives you a little bit more of um, a versatile attack. So without that type of element, they just have no ability to manufacture uh, deep passing. Of course, Will Rogers, he is accurate. He's very good on intermediate and short stuff, but remains to be, um, let's say, not equipped to necessarily test defenses consistently beyond 20 yards downfield. And I have concerns it's going to overly cap this offense a lot moving forward. I've doubted uh, Mississippi State's ability to win offensively. But I, before talking about Memphis, I have to give credit to Zach Arnett. I really love the style of defense they play. They play 3-3-5 stack, basically. Um, a lot of defense on the field, um, a lot of stunts, a lot of uh, movement post-snap to disrupt um, up front and confuse on the back end. It's very aggressive style of defense because if you're not getting the blues chip recruits, you have to do something crazy to create havoc, get TFLs, um, negative plays, and interceptable attempts. So they're now 26th in the nation in SB plus defense. So they are um, definitely looking to be a formidable unit after starting the year in the eighties last year. So um, definitely getting better with his guidance. So um, I think just because of their um, ability to play good, aggressive defense, I think Mississippi state is able to cover on the road, even though the SP plus likes Memphis to win as a home dog. Interesting. I'm taking state too. I don't think they lose to Memphis, and I think they cover. I'm probably going to take the under this one as well. What yeah, 64. Got? I was thinking about that. Uh, hmm. Hmm. I'm rubbing my chin. Um, I'm going to say under um, 64, and just because how Missi- Mississippi State's offense has not been explosive, like I said, and how their defense has been kind of clamping, I'm going to take the under there. Okay. State's my lock covering. 
Really? State your yeah. Um. All right. Next game, we got South Carolina at Georgia. Georgia minus 31 and a half. No, Georgia minus 31. So the spread kind of changed around. And then over-under is 47 and a half. I think Georgia actually shows everyone who they really are. And I also think South Carolina gets shown of how bad they actually are. I think Georgia definitely covers this game like 100%. You know, I do agree with you. I think this is going to be a fucking ass-kicking. Um, yeah. Georgia's second in the SP Plus overall. Of course, they have the number one defense. Oh, the passing game is wanting to get vertical. In terms of South Carolina's offense, what they're going against, of course, I said that very, very good defense. 12th in the SEC in uh, overall success rate. Yikes. Um, in standard time, their passing success rate is 11th. In terms of... So you're saying there's a chance. Rushing success rate, <laughs> they're bottom 10. In terms of third down conversion rate, they're bottom 5. In terms of three and out rate fits, only Texas A&M is worse. Uh, <laughs> so so you're saying South Carolina is pretty good. I'm saying South Carolina is going to get embarrassed. Um, this yeah. is just not going to be pretty whatsoever. Uh, I'm going to take the over. I just think Georgia's yeah, offense is the thing. We're just, this pick together. I just think, uh, it, I just think, yeah, it's just not going to be pretty whatsoever. Um, their only hope is to hit on some deep balls. And uh, with Zeb Norland's aforementioned 9.9 turnover-worthy so play rate, I just do not see South Carolina competing in this one whatsoever. Um, yeah, bottom three in touchdown rate. I'm, I'm coming across more stats that I tweeted out this afternoon. So um, dead last in negative play rates. And again, this is considering they played against Eastern Illinois and Eastern Carolina. My goodness I'll gracious. Yeah, I mean, they, they're going to get mud stomped. This is probably free money. Um, is this your lock of the week? Um, no, it's not going to be my lock of the week, but I just I am very, very confident in the Bulldogs. Of course, we don't know exactly what's going to go on with the quarterback position. But again, with South Carolina averaging 0.38 rush yards before contact in standard time, and they're about to play one of the best defenses uh, in the country, I just don't think it's going to matter. Probably be best. Yeah, yeah it's not going to matter who starts a quarterback. For sure. This next game is an interesting game. A battle of the, the probably two best conferences out there. Auburn at Penn State. Auburn plus five. Over-under is 53. I hope Auburn beats the shit out of Penn State. I'm, I'm picking Auburn with this one just for my sheer. I cannot cheer for Penn State. The Big Ten is so fucking annoying. They always are like trying to talk shit about the SEC and act like their teams are good and they fucking suck. Um, but anyway, I think Auburn beats Penn State. I'm not picking over and under. I would love for them to stomp them, but I think so you're probably going to disagree it, with is me. Is it more of Penn State hate, or is it more I loved what I saw out of Auburn week one and two against the Cupcakes? Well, I mean, okay, so I, some of it's Penn State hate for sure. But then also, like, yes, Auburn played some Cupcakes, but they also scored 60 points both games, which realistically is hard to do on anyone. Right, like scoring sixty points on a like yeah, they're cupcakes, bad teams, whatever. But I mean, that's pretty hard to do. Alabama beat Mercer by like forty-two to fourteen or whatever. Not saying Alabama's bad at all, but I'm just showing you it's hard to score sixty points on a team. So I'm taking Auburn. I think Penn State are frauds. I'll probably get proven wrong, but war damn eagle for this one. 
Yeah, so obviously playing against the two cupcake opponents really skews Auburn's metrics, but for what it is worth, and uh, these are pretty, pretty, pretty good numbers. Um, number one in passing success rate as a team. Uh, Tank Bixby is number one in explosive rush rate. Auburn averages over 10 yards per play in standard time. In standard time, their points per play is over two points. So, yeah, they kick ass against those cupcake opponents. Bo Nix's accuracy is improved. It's in the 60s, but right now it's still necessarily not elite. Um, it's rather average, even though his results are absolutely fantastic. Over two-thirds of his pass attempts, both overall and in the dropback game. Now, this is something that Auburn has um, definitely started doing with Gus Malzahn no longer there. So has the dependence on RPOs. A lot of more pro-style dropback stuff for him to execute. And in those situations, over two-thirds were successful. So he's taking care of business. Tank Bigsby is running hard. And this is obviously, as many people know, is the first major test. So I don't think that Penn State is necessarily good. I do not think that... They necessarily are overly talented, but I do think that that home environment at 7.30 is enough to make them win by at least a touchdown. I'm going to take the under, though. I don't think either offense necessarily finds themselves in a groove, um, even though Auburn's run game is going to be a little bit more versatile, now has a little bit more power elements this year in terms of bunch formation dives and uh, things of that nature, very 2019 LSU tactics type of things, trying to keep defenses balanced with similar uh, formational displays, but I just think um, Penn State and uh, their offense finds enough explosive gains at the end of the day to win by about a touchdown. Interesting. We shall see on that one. Um, okay, let's go to the next game. Central Michigan is um, a 19-point dog, so Central Michigan plus 19, over-under is 60. I'm taking Central Michigan. I don't think LSU has a shot. They'll probably win, but, like, I just don't think they're going to cover. LSU kind of stinks. LSU kind of stinks. Um, I think uh, I think that is definitely a debate to be had. It looks like they really stink. They um, have issues up front. They have issues defensively. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, they did not look sharp. Um, now... This is an opportunity for them. This is a team, Central Michigan, that covered against Missouri, and the metrics really like them to cover. In this instance, of course, the spread is um, a little bit higher than that matchup. But uh, with all the uncertainty and the um, worrisome uh, uh, process metrics behind LSU, it's just really, really concerning. You know, I, I just mentioned uh, South Carolina's rush yards before contact in yeah. – and uh, standard time, well, LSU is not even that much better. 0 0.55. Yeah, 0 0.55 yards rush yards before contact. So that's put immediate adversity on that run game. And if they can't have the run game, there goes the threat of their play action. And their only, I guess, schematic chance to try and manufacture explosive plays. Because Max Johnson is just not comfortable driving the ball downfield naturally. It's, it's a concerning thing with this offense. Um, they're not explosive, like I said, dead last in explosive pass rate. That's percentage of passes that go up for at least 20 yards or more. And as you can imagine, with explosive run rate, yeah, bottom three, again, because of that limited, limited cushion up front. But the thing is, schematically, 
Last game fix. I want to talk about this for a second, if you don't mind. Let's hear it. Let's be, okay. So I loved some of the pass plays I saw. Traditionally, the Joe Brady style, it's a lot of trip sets, a lot of tray sets, getting three-guy formations. Sometimes four-man surfaces when you align the back to that side, but generally you'll have the back aligned to the back side because they like to do a high-low bench type of thing. They also like to pair all slants in the slant flat with that running back side. So levels with that type of thing, they have similar breaks with all verts. It's the way to get a little bit more verticality when you beat people, but it's, it's a lot of things that look um, similar. So what they started to do with the in-breaking levels with their number three, there's usually a deep dig and two in-breaking routes by numbers one and two out of the tray set. They have started to do a lot more diversity by making him do posts, and corners. Now, what does that do, Fitz? I know you're thinking, right? Because Levels is inherently a cover two beater. Two deep safeties. The vulnerable spot, unless you're playing Tampa 2, is in the middle of the field. The Levels concept inherently has a deep dig going there, right? So after time, that safety assigned to that deep half will start to creep and look inside. So what's one thing that makes him pay? Either a post over top or a corner. And that is what they started to do a little bit more this past weekend. And additionally, they paired Mesh and Dagger from Empty, two of my favorite things. Very Lincoln Riley of them. That is one of the favorite Lincoln pass Riley. patterns in the air raid I really, really love. And then Triangle Look. So that is just a variation of the spot concept. Some people call that the snag concept. But instead of a corner, three-man combo of a flat spot and a corner, that corner then becomes a dig. So that is just another example to test those back-end <laughs> defenders with a little bit more versatility. And I really did like that. So moving forward, um, I hope the consistency comes. They have a lot of drop passes, and again, that offensive line has stunk. But I just cannot say that 19 points is a um, comfortable margin for me to back the Tigers at this point in time, so I'm going to take the Chippewas to cover and the under 61. That was good stuff. Um, all right, next game, Stanford, minus nine at Nashville Vanderbilt. The Commodores, the Anchors, the worst team in the SEC. But they won last week, so are yes. they the worst? Just the dip. Um, I mean, this is tough. It's Stanford. I'm not, it's not minus nine. It's Stanford minus 12. Wow. I put this in on Wednesday. So it jumped three. Oh, so I'm yeah. Sorry. So Stanford minus 12 and then over under is 49. So I'm, I apologize. This game is probably not going to be fun to watch, but I think I'm going to go Stanford and I'm going to go with the under. What do you mean? A Vanderbilt football game is not going to be fun to watch? <laughs> yeah. I mean,. As thrilling as it is, um, no, I don't think this is going to be fun to watch. But I, I think, I think Stanford's going to beat them. Stanford looked good last week. Who did they beat last week? They beat USC. They got that's right. That's fired. right. That's right. That's but right. Look, so after two weeks, it looks like the Clark Lee style of play. Their offense is going to be sticks, shock, you know, inverted stick, um, and vertical routes. So they're going to either dink and dunk quickly on early downs or take their chances deep. Uh, that is not necessarily a good thing for Ken Fields. He's not necessarily good, but a few defensive pass interferences were drawn in that game, particularly in the second half. So if that remains to be one of their best scoring opportunities, I think that's definitely going to uh, maintain itself. But the thing is, um, their only two deep completions came by Chris Pierce created catches. Do you know what a created catch is, Fitz? It sounds like it's a Randy Moss type catch to where he basically just went up and got it. It's basically, yeah, it's a play 
That's a great way to ex- to describe it. It's basically a play you do not expect the average receiver to make. So that can be toe taps, diving plays, winning 50-50 balls, wrestling the ball away from a defensive back to avoid an interception. Those are the best catches. Yeah, so these are definitely valuable catches. Well, um, Chris Pierce created those two passes. Ken Seals did not, let's say, put the ball in a great place. So sustainability for this offense's uh, ability to – Create those types of big plays. Consistency remains to be lacking. So I think Stanford, fresh off that big victory, uh, I don't think they're going to be affected, and I think they win by more than two touchdowns. Yeah, I agree. Over um, 49, though. Over 49. You think it's going to be over 49? Yeah. I don't know. Something just tells me uh, Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt in that one. They have some unlike, They have some turnovers that set up short fields and that lists the scoring opportunities. You know what? I'm taking back my over/under prediction. I'm just going Stanford minus nine. I'm just too scared about that over/under. I, I, it, I think Stanford definitely wins. Not minus nine, minus twelve. Stanford definitely wins by more than twelve. But I think I can't give you a, a winner on the over/under. Alrighty, last game should be by all accounts a great game, a good game based on how they played against Oklahoma. We have Tulane at Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Minus 14, over under 76 and one half. This is an interesting game. Interesting game. It's yeah. difficult to go over under on this one, too, especially with Tulane's, you know, battle against Oklahoma. But, and I say but, so many points. I think Ole Miss covers the spread. I think it is under the points wise, though. I think, I'm gonna. I think we. Okay. I agree 100 with you both ways. Okay. 100. Yeah. I, I just think Ole Miss defense is better than we're giving it credit for, and I think there there's no way they underestimate Tulane. Like, let's say if Oklahoma blew out Tulane, I would feel less comfortable about it. But since they did, like, there's no way like they're not up for this game, right? Mm-hmm. It'll be fun to watch. No, I think, yeah, I think a lot of points are going to be scored, but I don't think it's going to necessarily get, like, the under. I think it's going to be a lot like the Louisville game, to be honest with you. Uh, Matt Corral, he is still yeah, passing the ball comparison. pretty well. Um, on true dropbacks, his depth-adjusted accuracy is above 50%, which is what you'd like to see. An overall passing success rate, only Bo Nix against those cupcakes has a preferable clip through the first two weeks. Corral is at 55.4%. Uh, pretty, pretty good. So yeah, um, that, that offense is the most explosive offense in the SEC. Number one in explosive, uh, play rate. Um, so the run game is very good. The balance is really good. I was really impressed with the balance of concepts that they ran last week. They don't necessarily have to don that level of, uh, you know, let's just say diversity against a lackluster opponent to keep them guessing. But yeah, they were completely out of sorts and they just ran all over them last week. But the look that really I love to see. So I think a lot of where football is going is going to be a lot more empty with run-heavy quarterbacks. But it's not going to be the type of empty where it's three by two. It's going to be the type of empty where you have an offset tight end. So you can still do counters, um, inserts, more versatile run games than inside-outside zone or, or dives or whatever. So off of that, you're going to have jet sweep action. And a lot of teams, particularly in the Big 12, they do jet sweep power read option. So the, the let's just say the Lamar Jackson play. Everyone knows it where the running back is going outside, pulling guard, and Lamar Jackson's the dive player, right? Well, just imagine that off jet motion. So they did this in the second half, and they averaged over 11 yards per attempt on a 50% success rate um, on that look. Of course, the game was already decided 
And this is something that's not necessarily used um, as an every down or an every drive type of look within the SEC. But I really do love that type of wrinkle from this offense, especially if they are able to be as dominant as they are within structure on their normal run game, because that is another action that can set up their deep passing game and their offers and their cross plays. I think we're, I mean, we're agreeing on this bet. Um, I think Matt Corral, I mean, still Heisman front runner, at least in the top three, hopefully he wins. Cause I got a lot of money on him winning. I'll win like a thousand bucks. Um, but yeah. All right. Let's go through our recap. And yep, then we'll, recap it. Uh, we should some good betting. All right. So, for the first game of the week, I have New Mexico minus 30 and the under. You have New Mexico and the over, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All right. Next game, we have Alabama at Florida. I have Bama and the over. You have Bama and the over. Same thing. Then right. we got Georgia Southern at Arkansas minus 23 and a half for Arkansas over under 52 and a half. Yes. Um, I have Arkansas minus 24. And then you have Georgia Southern and yeah, that, that's going to be one I might regret. Um, I'll be honest with you, but I just have a feeling uh, Arkansas is going to have a little bit of a letdown after that Texas win last week. We'll see. You could be right. Uh, next game: State at Memphis. State minus three, over under sixteen and a half. Lock of the week for me is State and the under. You're taking State and the under too, so we're in agreement there. Next game: South Carolina at Georgia. Georgia minus 31 and a half, over under 48. You are taking Georgia and the over, and guess what? So am I. So Man, we have a lot say, of double consensus. This is scary. I don't like this. I don't like this. I know. This. I know. All right, so the next one, we got Auburn at Pitt. Auburn plus six, over under 53. I have Auburn, and I'm not giving over under. You have Penn State and the under, so that makes me feel good with a little diversity there. Change up. Yep. Uh, next, we have Central Michigan at LSU. Central Michigan plus 19, over under 60. I'm just giving Central Michigan plus 19. I think they cover easy. You, you think the same thing. And the under. Next, we got the Battle of the Smart Kids, Stanford at Vanderbilt. Stanford minus 12, un, over under 48 and a half. I have Stanford minus 12. So do you. And you're taking the over. I'm not giving an over under there because I'm scared. Um, we got Tulane at Ole Miss for wrapping it up. It is Ole Miss minus 14 over under 76 and a half. We're both taking Ole Miss and we're taking the under, right? Yeah. So to recap, we basically agree on every single game except for Arkansas and Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern and Auburn and Penn State on, in terms of against the spread. So, uh, yeah, uh, we seem to be in lock and step this week. Yeah, I mean, it's just I think the board's pretty easy this week, and then we'll probably just get butt fucked right yeah, after I say that. that. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be awful. Uh, but yeah, guys, that's the show. Um, check out the Twitter page; we'll be tweeting out the picks. And then if you want a little, know a little bit more about the analytics stats, kind of how Clark got his picks there, the Stat Cat. Where can they go, Clark? Uh, yeah, you can go to secstatcat.com on the interweb. Um, or you can follow the the Twitter account or the Facebook page. Facebook page, I, I very rarely update it, but the, the Twitter account's a fire follow, especially on Thursdays uh, where I do the SEC Stat Blast. A lot of people like that shit where I share a lot of random and obscure stats that a lot of teams and individuals lead the SEC in that you cannot find anywhere else and of course, except for the site, of course. Of course, of course. Uh, where you can see things like past charts, run charts, what concepts people are running, leaders in said obscure stats, what uh, what teams are more efficient in terms of advanced analytics and a lot of other trends, 
So that's always a fun and absolute essential resource for gamblers who are looking for any type of in um, when picking the line. So uh, definitely check it out. And of course, yeah, the show Twitter account that you're trying to get off the ground here, Fitz, um, you obviously run it. Yep, for sure. It's fun. I like talking shit on there at bet down south. Um, Yeah, give it a follow. But until then, guys, good betting this weekend and uh, good luck on your picks. Until next time. (laughs) 